Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I began to, to pray. It just kind of was an inspiration to pray, hey, Jesus. And so I started praying, hey, Jesus, uh, bless Cindy this day in her, in her work. Hey, Jesus, bless my sisters and their families, and I began to pray that way, hey, Jesus, and, and began, and you know, it just felt good. I felt a connection, and so uh, I, I'm not saying this is the key to prayer. I know that some of you, it may sound kind of even uh, almost sacrilegious or t- too familiar or something like that, and so uh, I, I'm not saying you should pray this way or, or that you, uh, you have to pray, hey, Jesus, to get an answer to prayer, not by any means. And I don't mean to, to use his name, and I didn't use his name in prayer uh, casually or disrespectfully or in a dishonoring way at all. I just, at that time, felt a connection praying that way, and so I prayed that way. The reality is I, I haven't really been praying that way since that time. It was just one of those things I felt a connection toward, and then I thought, man, I could, I could preach on that. Hey, Jesus. And so that's what I'm doing. <clears throat> we, we should have a familiarity with him, with Jesus, with God our Father, with the Holy Spirit. Can I hear a big amen on that? <clears throat> Probably all of us have heard the saying, familiarity breeds contempt. And what that means is is that when we get uh, uh, so familiar with someone, we we can take them for granted or think less of them. But I'm here to tell you tonight, familiarity need not breed contempt. It doesn't always breed contempt. Uh, in, in the several decades that Cindy and I have been married, uh, we have become more familiar. Thank God. That, the first date, we had fun, but it was, we were both nervous, and it just, I, I'm glad we've gotten more familiar. We, we enjoy each other's company without having to talk with each other. You know, we, in other words, we can sit together for periods of time without feeling like we have to fill in the blanks with words. We just enjoy each other's company. Uh, we, we have pretty much gotten to know each other's likes and dislikes. Uh, Cindy knows that uh, not to use certain, certain spies. I pretty much, somebody asked me tonight, what do you like to eat? I, I like almost everything. But... <clears throat> She knows there's several spices that I don't particularly enjoy because <clears throat> they seem to me to overpower everything, and that's thyme and uh, rosemary. Those kind of, if it's, if, it's, if it's a lot, it just seems overpowering. So she knows she doesn't use those two spices. We don't have them in our house anymore. It isn't like I told her, thou shalt not have thyme or rosemary. It's just something that she got familiar with my likes and dislikes. I didn't spit it out of the plate when I tasted it and she had it. But anyway, moving on. Uh, She knows my likes and dislikes. I've gotten 
uh, to know her better and closer. I, I know now when we drive, I drive the car when we're together. And so I, I know if I pull into Walmart or in the Safeway, I know to let her point out which parking place I should park in. <laughs> it took a, a decade or more to, for me to figure that. And, but you, you grow. So we are more familiar, but in a good way. Familiar, our familiarity has brought us closer instead of in contempt of each other. And listen, we need to cultivate a familiarity with God that brings us close. And I want to talk about that for a, a little bit, our familiarity with God, because he's really into it. Jesus said in John 12, verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now, years ago, 40 years ago, we used to sing a song, a chorus, uh, lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher, lift him up for the world to see. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto, lift Jesus, and we would sing, and that was a, it was a good praise chorus. We, we sang it, and, and it, we, we, it, but our, our singing and our praise was like lifting him up in praise. He said, if I be lifted up, well, it really is kind of the way we sang it out of context. I don't think we were uh, being rebellious against God or anything. It was just a chorus somebody wrote, and we sang it. So, but, but when Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, he wasn't referring to our praise. He was referring to his grisly death on the cross. If I be lifted up on the cross, I'll draw all men unto me. And I love this phrase, I will draw all men unto me, because it expresses his heart. He wants to draw us close to himself. In Vine's Greek Dictionary, it says that this word, that draw, that's used here means to draw by divine impulse. I like that tonight that the cross and the whole purpose of the cross of Christ was to cause us to feel a divine impulse that drew us. It was like a magnet that drew us to him. The cross, his death on the cross, uh, it, uh, when we get a revelation of it, how can we not draw, draw close to him? He was lifted up. He shed his blood. And that uh, understanding, when it comes, and it's birthed in our heart, oh, we got to draw close to him, right? He made a way for us to be close, and God enjoys familiarity with his people. In Genesis, Abraham was called the friend of God. Uh, the, uh, the Bible says in, the, in, in Exodus that God talked to Moses face to face as a man talks to his friend. Jesus said in John 15, verse 15, servants don't know what their master is doing, and so I don't speak to you as my servants. I speak to you as my friends, and I've told you everything that my Father has told me. See, tonight God wants us to enjoy this familiarity with Him. He knows us intimately. 
And if you're taking notes, jot down these scriptures. I don't have them to put on the screen. But Isaiah 45, verse 3, says that he calls us by name. In Psalm 139, verse 16, it says that our days are written in his book. Our days, all of our days are written in his book. You know what that means? God scrapbooks our days. They are. They're written in his book, our days. He is so involved in our lives that he, he has written our days down, scrapbooks us every single day. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, that the very number of hairs on our head, he knows. Nobody needs to make comment. God's familiarity, listen, God's familiarity with us is a familiarity without contempt or revulsion. And this is important for us to understand. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we must give account. He sees everything. He knows everything. And this is one of those verses that can make us feel a little queasy or uncomfortable at times. All things are naked and open to him. He sees everything. And, I can, and you know, I was thinking on this. Uh, sometimes it probably should make us feel a little, a little uncomfortable. If we're doing things we know God doesn't like, if we are involved in junk that God knows, he knows, and that we know that he knows that it's not right, and we're living in a way that is not good or pleasing in his sight, we should feel a little bit uncomfortable. Or maybe sometimes a lot uncomfortable. But listen, this is so important because even then, it shouldn't be something that pushes us or causes us to push away from God because he is not revolted or contemptuous because of our flaws. And sometimes read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 is the one that says, All things are naked and open to him with whom we have to give account. It is a very uh, somber verse of Scripture, something we need to give attention to. But that verse leads into one of the greatest invitations in all of the Word of God into His presence. And it's some of the greatest words about us coming into the presence of God that were ever written. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest that's talking about Him, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are yet without sin. Listen, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And so even though there may be stuff going on in our life and we've been involved in junk that we know we shouldn't have been involved in, we've done stuff we know that is displeasing in the sight of God, it's not something that should drive us away from Him, but 
in God's Word, he makes a plea that those flaws, uh, those faultings, sins, whatever it may be, should not drive us away, but force us into the presence of God. The very thing that God addresses here, that our flaws in our life are meant meant to cause us to come to Him boldly, to help in the time of need. And it's like this. When we understand this, it's like this. Jesus I know that you know I have a problem with, and you can fill in the blanks, whatever it is. But I believe that you sympathize with me and that even now, your mercy and your grace is here to help me with this. See, we got to have that understanding. Otherwise, we're, we'll constantly be trying to hide in the bushes or, or not admitting or not confessing or not talking to God about our needs. And we ought to have that familiarity with him to, and that understands he is not repelled. He doesn't feel contempt for us because of our weaknesses. He's moved with compassion. His familiarity is one of understanding, of deep consideration, and incredible love. Somebody say incredible love. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, <clears throat> I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. You see, God said, I love this because he says, yes, 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 yes. Do you love me, God? Yes. Somebody say yes. He says, yes, I have loved you. Does God really love me? Yes, he loves us. And knowing this, we can draw near to him, come to him. In Ephesians 3, 12, it says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Boldness and access, not because we got it all together, even when we feel like uh, we don't have it all together, even when things feel like they're coming apart in our life, we need to be able to have an understanding of his love and consideration and compassion and have boldness to enter in. Hebrews 10, says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now, I said all that to say this. We need to know a certain familiarity exists between us and God so that we can come to him freely, boldly, confidently knowing that he wants to help, even when we've messed up. And we ought to have more familiarity with him than we do with Siri, Google, or Alexis. Alexa. Whoever they are. We need to know that we can come to him and call out to him, Jesus. I love that song we say, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. His name is Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, 
Jesus. <clears throat> now I want to deal as we go on in this and just give two brief examples of people who called boldly out to Jesus for help. They didn't actually say, hey, Jesus, but it was close. And the first one, and the example I want to use is, hey, Jesus, I feel like I'm going under. And I get this from Peter when he was walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. And we know the story. A lot of us have read the story, heard the story. <clears throat> Jesus told the disciples to go on the other side of the water. And so they got in the boat. He was going to go and pray for a while. He goes up and prays through the night. And they get in the boat. They go across. Storm comes up. Seems like every time the disciples are in a boat, storm comes up, right? And so the storm comes up. They're having a hard time rowing. Feel like they're going to go under. Jesus isn't in the boat with them then. And then they see at 3 o'clock in the morning, the Bible says, Jesus comes walking on the water to them. They are so not expecting him. I mean, I, I don't blame them. I don't know that I would be expecting to see him come walking on the water, but they, they knew him because they'd been following him, been with him. But when they see him walking on the water, they think it's a ghost. They cried out. They said, they thought to themselves, they said that it's a ghost. And Jesus says what he always does whenever we get afraid. He says, don't be afraid. It's me. And then Peter says, well, if it's you, then ask me to come out with you on the water. And Jesus just said, come. And so Peter climbs up out of the boat. Wind's still blowing. Waves are still going. And Peter starts walking on the water. You know, I got to thinking about the other 11. Decide they're sitting in the boat. And I bet they're thinking, man, I wish I'd said that. Because they're watching as Peter's walking on, he's walking on the water. <laughs> and no, and no, we don't, nobody ever done that besides Jesus that we know of. And there he is walking on the water. And so is he coming, the waves, the wind, and all that? He's, and the, but he gets distracted because a wave hits him, the wind's hitting him, and he takes his eyes off Jesus, puts it on the waves, and what happens? Whoop, he goes down, goes under. Starts to go, he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus didn't leave him floundering around in the water for a while, teach him a good lesson. And just before he goes into the third time, he didn't do that, did he? It says immediately, Jesus reached out, took him by the hand, lifted him up, said, why did you doubt? Oh, you little faith. Took him back to the boat, put him in the boat. He got in the boat. They got in the boat and got to the other side. It's a great story. All of us have times like we feel we're going under, don't we? Sometimes it's our faith, our, uh, we feel like we're just going under and, and are failing in our faith, or it's just not up to par. We all have times where our faith gets rocked. I know I have. And it's not that I started not believing in God. I, I think I pretty much got that 
worked out in my life. I know some people at times wonder, God, how can you really be but, and all, but I think I've kind of worked that out. Hebrews eleven six says, uh, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. And I think I've got that pretty much worked out in my life. I, I, have, I am confident that God is. What has been at times shaken in my life over the years, at times if I'm going through something tough, is the last part of that, and that is this, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, I may believe that God is, but at the time, because of the circumstances and stuff I'm going through, I may feel like, well, God, I know you brought me through all kind of things before, but are you really going to do it again this time? <clears throat> and sometimes we feel shaken. That, that bedrock faith, that unshakable faith in God's intervention can be shaken at times. And what we do right then is so important. Where we go. Because if we go deeper into our doubts, we'll despair. In Psalm 27, verse 13, it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. <clears throat> if we began to despair of God's goodness now, in other words, we lose focus that he is there, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that he, uh, we lose track that he is, has brought us through time and again, got us out of storm after storm. It's like Alex said at the beginning of the service uh, tonight, uh, he came in, he was uh, uh, really exhausted, but the presence of God buoyed him, brought him up, right? If we lose track of that, if we give in to our doubts, we'll despair. When we feel like our faith is going under, we need to do what Peter did. Lord, save me. Or, you know, Jesus, I feel like I'm going under. And you know, he doesn't ignore us when we're wrestling in our faith. There was a guy who brought his son to Jesus. The son was possessed by a, a, a demonic spirit. Disciples prayed, nothing happened. He brought him to Jesus, said, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus said to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And he says, well, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. See, it's where we go when our faith is shaky that's important. Because we will either entertain our doubts or we'll entertain our faith. And we need to entertain or build up our faith. And that's uh, said, even though we're wrestling and struggling, we feel uh, shaken, something like, Jesus, I believe, but help me believe better. Maybe we're struggling financially, and our faith for finances is kind of getting rocked. You know, I was thinking about uh, Psalm, Psalm 46, uh, just recently. And the last verse of that psalm caught my attention. I want to read it to you. 
It's Psalm 46, verse 11. This is actually quoted the same verse earlier in the psalm as well, so it's written twice there for emphasis, but it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. And this could actually and literally accurately be translated, the Lord of angel armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I like that phrase, the Lord of angel armies. Now, that's not really what caught my attention when I was thinking about it, but I, but I thought it was just too cool, so I had to throw it in there. He is the God of angel armies. And he commands those angels to help us out. You know, we don't see it. We don't know it. We may never even see it. I've never seen an angel. I have felt the evidence of them at times. I've seen uh, God do things where I thought maybe God intervened with an angel. I know that he has given them to us uh, as the heirs of salvation. So he helps us out by sending his emissary, sometimes angels, to help us out. I'm glad I need all the help I can get. How about you? He's the God, the Lord of angel armies. But listen, what really hit me was the last part of this verse. The God of Jacob is my refuge. Why the God of Jacob? Why not the God of Israel? Because the God of Jacob, he says, Jacob uses that old name, Jacob. Jacob, when, before he, God called him Israel, was in a, a, a bad place. He had ripped off his brother's birthright, Esau, and he had to run for his life, and he went to his Uncle Laban's house. And Uncle Laban was a ripoff. Jacob worked for him for 14 years, and in that 14-year period, he changed Jacob's wages 10 times. I don't mean that he got 10 raises. He got knocked down 10 10 times. He changed his pay. Now, I don't care who you are, that could be discouraging. But God blessed him. And even though Laban kept ripping him off and not doing what he had agreed to do, God blessed Jacob, and he just kept getting more and more and more, get blessed and blessed. And so tonight, listen, this is the point. If you're struggling financially, Put your confidence and your assurance in God and not man, not your boss, not the stock market, uh, not your 401k plan if you've got one, not in anything man-made, but our faith and our confidence, our assurance uh, is in the God of Jacob. Why the God of Jacob? Because he can bless us uh, even though the boss may not like you at the moment, even though uh, the stock market may go south sometime, even though whatever it is that your assurance in the natural gets shaken, God's never shaken. He's the God of Jacob, and we can have confidence and assurance that he is our refuge. Our job's not our refuge. Our bank account's not our refuge. Our car's not our refuge. God is our refuge and help. Now somebody say, help me, Lord. So when we feel like we're going on, our faith is getting rocked. 
Hey, Jesus, I need to save me, Lord. Our finances are being assaulted and attacked. Hey, Jesus, Lord, God of Jacob, you're my refuge. One quick final point, and that is another guy that called out to Jesus, and that was blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And paraphrase, he said, hey, Jesus, I need to be healed. Jesus was walking through his town. I think it was Jericho, and, and Bartimaeus is a blind beggar on the side of the road. Here's Jesus is going by, and he starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Calls out, and they are all telling him, be quiet. You're making a nuisance of yourself. And he cries out even more, have mercy on me, Jesus, Son of David. And so uh, Jesus stops. And they said, well, go ahead. He called you. So he goes and gets up to Jesus. And then Jesus asks him a question that is really weird. Here's a blind guy standing in front of Jesus. makes his way there. Eyes, you know, obviously blind. And Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? Don't you think that's a little odd? Don't you think it seems a little obvious? But this brings up an important matter about prayer, and that is this. Even though God is intimately familiar with us, even though he knows everything about us with exact precision, even to the number of hairs on our head, he still wants us to ask him specifically for the needs that we have. And this is really important because some people feel like, well, you know, God knows. He just, God knows, and he's, if it's his will, he'll just do it. If it's his will to heal me, if it's his will to help me financially, or whatever the need is, if it's his will, he'll just do it, and he knows, and I, I don't want to bother him, you know, he's so busy and all that. But listen, we are encouraged time and again to go with our needs and to specifically ask for those needs to be met. That's what he said, blind by the obvious. He's blind. What do you need me to do? And it is his will tonight to heal. He paid the price for it, didn't he? 1 Peter 2, 24 says, by whose stripes you were healed. His suffering was for our sin, but our sickness as well, and it is his will, will to heal. A leper came to Jesus, said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was moved to compassion, said, I will be cleansed, and he was healed. Tonight, it's God's will to heal, and he still, though, wants us to ask. And so, why would he do that? Why would he ask a blind man, what do you want? See, I believe it's this. I wouldn't presume to know all the reasonings and all, but I think that's this, one of the great reasons. He wants us to connect with him on a personal level about personal need. He wants that connection. And so Bartimaeus says, walks up to Jesus, and he says, what do you want? And he says, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. His faith was demonstrated in that he called out to Jesus and mentioned his need specifically, 
And that need was specifically met. And I believe God wants to do that tonight. I do. That's why I preach this. Not just so we could have just a real quick prayer and go home. I do want to have a prayer, but I, I want tonight to see God forgive people in need of forgiveness. I want to see God intervene in needs financially. I want to see God heal people that are in need of healing, don't you? Well, let's ask him tonight. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, or you have at one time and you're not where you should be with him in your relationship, whatever, whatever it is. You've never gotten saved or you have been and you went away from God, but tonight you want the blood of Jesus to bring cleansing and forgiveness. And you know what? He is not revolted by you. He is not uh, uh, critical of you and your need. He has paid the price that we could come to him in that time of need to receive forgiveness. And across this building, nobody looking around just for a moment, you want to be included in this prayer for forgiveness. You just slip your hand up and say, would you pray for me in that? God bless you. Honest hearts. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. There are Christians here, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm looking at you. But there are those here that are believers, and you know what? When I started talking about all things naked and open, that kind of made you uncomfortable. And the reason why is because there's something there that you know that is not pleasing to God. And tonight, God wants to bring forgiveness and cleansing and freedom. And so we're going to pray. And in this first prayer, we're going to pray for that forgiveness. And as we pray, I want you in the privacy of your own life and heart right now. You don't have to yell it out or speak it out to where people can hear you. But I want to encourage you to ask him for his cleansing and grace and help in the time of need, this need, these things. Let's pray together. Would you just pray out loud, all of us? Let's repeat this prayer. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sin. I ask for your cleansing, your forgiveness, and your empowering over sin. I believe you paid the price for me. And I receive forgiveness, cleansing, and empowerment over sin in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks and praise. Okay, I want to pray for two more things. And the, and the first is for people in financial need. And you don't need to raise your hand, but I want to pray uh, for you and for us tonight. And if you just close your eyes and bow your head, and let's all just pray this prayer out. Well, you know, I think probably all of us could use some extra blessing financially, right? Well, right? <laughs> let's pray. I want, you, I want to repeat, uh, pray a prayer and have you repeat it with me, and then I'm going to just pray over us tonight. Just pray this with Jesus. Thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. And even though I am suffering in a time of need, 
I believe you are my need meter, that you will meet my need tonight. I trust you for your intervention financially. I look to you as my source and my provider. Thank you as I call out to you, God of Jacob, you are my refuge, and I look to you for my provision. In Jesus' name, I call it done. Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap and thank him? Okay, one other area I want to pray for healing and sick bodies tonight. And I want to just pray over you and believe God for healing to flow. And I want to encourage you in something. As you see that need met and that healing received, tell somebody. Sometime tell me what God did for you. Tell somebody what God did because pain is going to go in people's bodies tonight. There may be a, a, a doctor report that you got that was a negative doctor report. We're going to believe God with you tonight that that negative report be flipped around and God brings healing and deliverance. Amen? Whatever it is, it may be a headache, a backache, uh, a toothache, or, or uh, it may be uh, cancer, or whatever the area is that you are in need of healing from. It may be the flu. I, I, I can't tell you how many people have heard, well, the flu's going around. Let it go on by. Pass. It's like a guy used to say, shoot the machai, pass me on by. You know, just go on, let, let that flu go on by. Maybe you're here tonight and you, you feel the symptoms of flu or cold or cough or whatever it is. We're going to believe God tonight. He is our healer. By his stripes, we were healed. I want you to say, by his stripes, I was healed. And I want to pray for us right now. Could we just all stand, those that can, stand to your feet right now? And let's pray together. I want to pray over you. And then we're just going to thank God for what he's done. Praise God. I want to just pray over you. Lord, we thank you tonight for causing us to come into this place to receive from you and the time of worship, as we gave worship to you, we received from you the presence of your Holy Spirit moving and ministering in our midst. And right now, for every need that is here physically, God, all pain to go in Jesus' name, a negative doctor report, that they would see a positive report in place of that negative report. Lord, for uh, cancer to go in Jesus' name. God, all pain go in Jesus' name. Uh, every flu symptom, cold symptom to go in Jesus' name. And tonight, Lord, we look to you and entrust our bodies into your hand. Thank you for intervening in our lives. So many of us have testimonies of your intervention where you broke the curse uh, of, of generations uh, that, and the report of what 
could be, should be, or would be because of what our ancestors had been afflicted with. You are our deliverer, and we look to you, God, as our healer, thanking you for it in Jesus' wonderful name. And I want everybody to shout, I believe. I I am healed in Jesus' name. Now would you give them thanks and give them praise? Thank you for it, Lord. All pain, go. Every symptom, go in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, say thank you, Jesus. And somebody say my title. Hey, Jesus, I want to thank you for what you did for me. Amen. God bless you. God love you. Good night. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.